0: what is up welcome back to modern day marketer it is monday and you know what that means we are bringing you another content breakdown this time we got one from clearbit we got one from former guest janet Choi, who was a part of the show last year talked about long game versus short game with her i was researching in the juice and i stumbled upon this article and i clicked it i was like i wonder if janet wrote it Did a scroll. There she was. The article is called Know Your Hand Raisers, Why Marketing to Your User Base Isn't Working Anymore. There's a lot to dig in with this. This is something that we are thinking about at The Juice. So we said, hey, here's an article. Let's talk about it. Let's share some perspective of how we think about this and what we're currently going through. I got Jonathan back on the pod. If you like what we're doing over here, hit the subscribe button. Most importantly, tell a marketing friend that you're enjoying modern day marketer. Let's kick it to the conversation. What is up? How are you all? Thanks for tuning in. We are back with a, another content breakdown. We are going to be discussing an article that we found in our own platform. And we are going to uh, just talk a little bit about why we chose the article, what we learned from it, and kind of some of our key takeaways. But before we jump into it, Jonathan, welcome. How are you? Thank you, Brett. I'm doing well. I am back in the
1: office. Uh, so i back on the microphone. So hopefully my audio is better. Although we are in a construction zone, not only metaphorically, but also literally uh, in the high alpha venture studio office space. So if anybody hears any background noise, uh, apologies for that, but uh, excited to be back and excited to talk about this article today.
0: So yeah, I, I will I will send an apology in advance. So about five minutes before we hit record on this, I am recording at my parents' house in the basement. No, I do not still live here, but I probably should based on the amenities over here. The Lowe's truck came and my parents are getting a new uh, washer dryer. So it's almost like they knew we were recording a pod. They give you that window and they're showing up right at the start. So (laughs) we'll we'll, uh, leave it to our uh, wonderful audio engineers to make us sound as good as possible. Promises he doesn't live there. Sure, Brett, go make your bed. (laughs) Okay, let's jump in. So uh, the article is called Know Your Hand Raisers, Why Marketing to Your User Base Isn't Working Anymore. The author of the article is Janet Choi, who's the head of content at Clearbit. If we rewind the tape, if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, even before it was called Modern Day Marketer, we had Janet on the show to talk about the long game versus the short game when it came to marketing. And she gave some really good thoughts and perspectives. So if you're interested in hearing more from Janet after you read this article, because I would encourage you to read the article, it'll be in the show notes. Go back and listen to the episode. Um, really enjoyed that one, but yeah. So, so I think this is like a timely topic. I know I have been pulled into some Twitter conversations, not directly about like marketing to your user base, but marketing like nurture campaigns, and I'll, we're talking about uh, similar topics internally. So. Um, when I was kind of digging into the juice, this article popped up and then I saw Clearbit and I clicked it and I was like, I wonder if Janet wrote this. And it was Janet's article and I read it and read it several times and a lot to unpack. And I, like I said, I think it's timely. So I'll I'll, like, I'm going to say this out of the gates and then Jonathan, you can kind of maybe open up with just any of your like overall like thoughts before we drill down. But like this article is written for the marketer who is operating kind of in the PLG format, uh, product-led growth. However, I've read this a couple of times. I think there are a lot of takeaways, even if you're not a product-led growth company, that you can still read the article and take away and apply to what you're doing. So. That's kind of my opening disclaimer, Um, but yeah, Jonathan, we haven't had a chance to talk about it. That's what we're doing the podcast, like primary, like takeaway, what struck you like right out of the gates when you read this one?
1: The first thing I'll say is just generally a clear bit fan of their brand, of their content of Janet. I think they are, I love marketing technology. Uh, That's why we're building a marketing technology business, but I think, Part of marketing, I think, is always balancing the line of creepy versus cool. That's something we've been talking about since Exact Target days. You know, personalization and segmentation is really awesome when done well, and when it's uh, goes beyond that point, it is detrimental. And I think Clearbit helps marketers find go up that line without crossing that line in really powerful ways. It's something I'm a big fan of. Um, so I was excited to see uh, you sharing this article with me, and I think you're exactly right. The PLG topic is just so incredibly timely. I think we've talked on this podcast previously. I I personally am a big believer in PLG. I think so much software is moving in that direction. I think that's how the majority of software will end up being purchased in the coming years. I've been surprised at the juice. Uh, There's a couple of technologies that I bought you know, three, four years ago at a previous company, and we've purchased again at the Juice. And they've, they've totally sw- switched their pricing model, their, their go-to-market motion uh, into something PLG or very similar to it. So I think everything is moving that way. And I think there's a lot of B2B marketers that have been relying on the traditional enterprise sales playbook that are trying to figure out the PLG playbook. We are at the Juice. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But um, so something like this, that's very educational data driven i think is super super helpful and i'm excited to dig into it with you
0: so on the on the plg front too before we dive into the article like i have heard a lot about you know it is a lot easier out of the gates if you're a marketing or a, any sort of technology company to start plg and then splinter out after that it's it's a lot harder to start like enterprise playbook and then kind of go back into plg like we Where- are <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, uh, yeah, yeah I'll lead the witness a little bit. So like maybe shed some light just so the listeners can understand like how we're thinking about this at the juice like a little behind the scenes peek at like some of the conversations that we're currently having around this topic.
1: Yeah, we as you mentioned, this article it comes at it from the perspective of you start PLG and you're trying to move up market into enterprise. The juice, interestingly enough, uh, we've started you know, with a traditional sales motion, traditional enterprise sales motion, honestly, because that's what we know. That's what the Venture Studio knows uh, that we're being launched out of. That's what our team personally knows. It's what we're more comfortable with. But our product, there's just so much natural opportunity for that PLG motion. We've got brands on the, that can be on the platform for free. We have members using the platform for free. So how do we turn all these different touch points into hand raisers in a way that feels very natural, very organic for them, a, a very enjoyable experience? And how do we do it? How do we make those uh, happen more efficiently, more often, and just better experiences? It's something we're thinking through very actively. And I I think right now what we're trying to do, I can tell you as a team, like it's not something we are relying on yet, but it's something we want to start to experiment with so that then we can start to forecast around it. So we're trying to learn from as many people as we can from companies like Clearbit. Another one that we often reference here internally is G2. I think there can be some similarities to G2's platform and software reviews and what the juice does for content. So uh, we're just trying to learn and absorb as much high quality content like this clear bit article. Uh, but we have started enterprise and we're kind of now figuring out the uh, PLG motion. I know there's a lot of people going at it from both angles.
0: Yeah. And as while we're plugging PLG type content, I will shout out OpenView just in terms of any time this conversation has uh, happened on the PLG side from me being a marketer at the juice or previous companies, I've always, you know, try to do my research. Now, if you're researching, you can do it in the juice. There's plenty of PLG content there, uh, but I always gravitate towards the content that OpenView is putting out. So
1: Verbal there's a- retweet for OpenView there. Just a big fan and uh, their content is in the juice. So you can check it out with,
0: along with other PLG content like Clearbit and G2 in the juice. So this article, it's time to finally dive in. I think does a really nice job of, putting specific use cases on display of companies, what they're dealing with, roadblocks they've hit. So we're going to talk through a couple of those, but I think it would be good to just like, maybe like the setting of the stage article of the article that Janet put together basically was broken down into if you are someone at a company that's doing PLG and you start where it's in-app messaging works to, generate interest and generate new customers, but then you start to see diminishing returns. Then you start to realize the nurture emails that you put together kind of lead into this black hole and there's no hand raisers, which hand raisers is something I want to talk about because she explicitly calls that out. And then finally, just like the power users at great brands are like, you notice that they're using your product. However, they aren't the people to buy your product. And so like she weaves through kind of those concepts and ideas, but maybe we start with this idea. I think that like, and I know, I know I've thought this at the juice, but it's like taking a step back and it's being like, just because someone's using your product doesn't necessarily mean that's going to lead to like a new opportunity and a new logo. And I think that, Uh, as a marketer, it's like, I think about rewind the tape on my career. And I think about like a new lead coming into Salesforce. And that lead was like a monster brand. And all of a sudden I thought I was the king of the world because I was like, oh, this thing I did brought this new lead in who's at this company who I know is like 50 million in revenue and we're a good fit for like time to pop the champagne. When in this article from a PLG perspective, kind of like Janet says, like Hold the hold the phone a little bit. Like let's take a step back. Um, because chances are that the higher you go up market, the less those individuals are going to be the ones who are going to actually purchase your product.
1: So I'm going to I love that we're starting here because this is like uh, I, I'm gonna take the point that you mentioned around users versus buyers. And I think there's like an adjacent content marketing talking point there. So your users aren't your buyers, right? And I think for content marketers, your content readers, watchers, listeners aren't necessarily your buyers either, right? You mentioned diminishing returns with users and trying to force them through something that maybe isn't result, isn't giving you the results that you want. That's the exact same experience that we have talked about for content and specifically gated content, right? You've got these content consumers, uh, as, as we reference them you want to turn them into buyers, but 95% of people that are consuming your content aren't buying. I would guess the percentage is even higher than 95% of that, right? So we force them through this buying experience that they don't want to be a part of. And I think that's very similar to what Janet has said in this article is with your product users, you're forcing them through this buying experience that they don't want to be a part of, right? Instead, let's give them the experience that they want and trust that they will raise their hand when they're ready and make sure you make that easy for them when they're ready instead of trying to manipulate them through the process. I just think there's such a cool parallel there between you know, whether it's a growth marketer or a, a product leader trying to force users through buying experiences and content marketers trying to force content consumers through buying experiences.
0: When neither of those people are ready. I love the call out. This is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Um, One thing I would throw back at you is that I agree. And I would say that the challenge is is the mindset shift. And the challenge is that to get not only the content marketer or their boss or their boss's boss bought into this like notion of like, all right, we're as a business going to like lean in heavily on content. And over-index on brand and come from a place of abundance and know that if we deliver the best content experience possible and stay in front of individuals with helpful content that gets them to think that when they do in fact have that problem, then they'll come around to us that like we all know that like the buyers are in control and we all know especially like we 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 don't know no but w- we think we know and we're that's why we're going to market this way is that if we just stay consistent and continue to do things like record this podcast get people to listen newsletter that eventually when people think you know what like I'm having an issue with content distribution like I want a new channel to promote our stuff. And then they realize, oh, well, you know what? That might be a place where I can do it. The juice. Let me go check that out. So I think the hard part in this scenario is just the mindset shift. So like, do do you think that starts with like the individual like managing up or is that this have to be like a a top down approach to kind of like adopt this coming from a place of abundance and and breaking old habits?
1: I'm probably going to sound like a broken record here, but I I think it can come from anywhere. But I think the key point is having the data to prove it out. I think last week, you and I talked about, um, last week in recording time, I'm not sure in release time, but we talked about data and storytelling. And I think what stood out to me from this article was there was data and like use cases, which I think is still storytelling, but it was very specific examples with very specific businesses that had very specific pain points. And I think the key to all of those different stories or use cases in this example is they had a baseline, they had started doing something, they were tracking it. And even though it wasn't working, they knew what they could experiment with to try to improve it. And so I think, you know, whether it comes from the individual contributor, who's it maybe a data analyst or a marketing analyst or a product analyst, or it can come from the VP of marketing or growth or product. I think having the data and having the foundation to track these things, whether or not you're tracking the right thing and whether or not you're getting the data you want, the fact that you're tracking it allows you to pivot even quicker. And that's what stood out to me consistently through all of the examples in this piece of content.
0: I love that. The... Uh... One of my things that I, I took away just in, in thinking about like PLG is I had this moment of like being like, of of course, like here are some recommendations. And it was from the, of, and of course, these make sense to me because it came from the context of like, okay, if you are running a, a PLG playbook and you've created this amazing onboarding experience to get uh, individuals to buy your product, start using it, and no one even has to talk to them there's this motion of automation that goes into the PLG side. And we all as marketers love automation. We love cutting out things out of our life that we don't, that we don't want to spend time on, but we know that like automation can only take you so far. So I guess that that was like a takeaway for me is like, is there, or when is it time within a PLG motion or within a traditional go to market motion that, that, we kind of shift away from automating everything and realizing, okay, if we take a step back and analyze this, there are some changes that we can make that probably involve human capital or people as a part of the process.
1: My advice there would be, I wouldn't lead with automation. Uh, I was reading a book called The Cold Start Problem. Uh, recently, it's all about businesses and network effects. And they uh, they made it sound like it was a common term, but it was a new term to me. So uh, good education. But uh, they they talked about Flintstoning, which is making something manual. So the way the Flintstones drove their car was with their feet, right? They talked about Flintstoning something until it works and then automating. And I, I thought that was a cool lesson. You know, we talk about at early stage businesses doing things that don't scale, starting very manual and then automating. And I think that's the advice I would give is, you know, maybe start by Flint something. And then once you see something that has traction, see if you can scale it with automation, as opposed to leading with automation. If it's not right, then you have to put all that toothpaste back in the metaphorical tube, uh, undo all that automation and try to re-automate something, or then try to start Flint something. I just used like six metaphors in that one example. So apologies for that. If you're able to follow all that, my encouragement advice would be to talk to your users. This is, again, maybe a peek behind the scenes at The Juice, something I've been really proud of our team doing at a very early stage is we launched our product and within 90 days, we had 20 to 30 interviews with our users, people we knew, people we didn't know, high volume users, low volume users. I think that's empowered us to know, okay, what do we want to... We've got our own ideas. uh, And I think some of that's important. There's the uh, Henry Ford quote, if... We built what people wanted. We'd build faster horses. But I, I think we've blended our own vision with what members have told us they want. We're starting that manually and you know, see how we can scale it there. And then we're going to build automation on top of that. I think that's so important is to um, kind of test and experiment and have that ability to build automation later to help you scale as opposed to leading with automation. And again, probably forcing people through
0: experiences you don't even know if they want or don't want. So I want to get into one of the use cases that was called out and why it is near and dear to my heart is because I feel like I built my career on the backbone of sales and marketing alignment. And if you're a a marketer, automation, PLG focus, like a lot of times, like you can be successful and you can not even like maybe you don't have a sales team or you don't you don't even interact with your sales team where i think at, at event eventually like as you grow and as your team scales like there there will be a breaking point where you won't be successful sales won't be successful without collaboration and working together so the example was around kind of account readiness and it was the envision example that uh, janet put together it's basically like you know envision put this plg uh playbook together and it was successful. People are coming on board. And then they started noticing like at a more enterprise account level, like a Facebook, you'd get three uh, designers from Facebook that were using the free version of Envision. However, none of them were converting. And that's kind of when you take a step back and it's like, well, why aren't they converting? Well, they're not converting because these individuals at a big company like Facebook don't have the authority to go make buying decisions as a place like the juice would be where if we like something and we use it and we share it in Slack, then we can just put our credit card in and boom, we have access to it. So I think like this example stood out to me because it shows like you might automate something, but it only gets you so far. When you hit that point, it's taking a step back and it's account planning. It's aligning with your sales folks to understand like who is the hand raiser at that company. It might not be the individuals using your platform, but it might be someone who is the VP or the head of a department. And sometimes that takes a collaboration between marketing and sales.
1: This is a great example because it's happened personally to me. At my previous role, our company used Envision. I wasn't heavily involved. I think, you know, I had a username and maybe reviewed designs in there in a product marketing role. Came to the juice uh, before we were even the juice, as we were in the very early days of kind of conceptualizing the business and the product, uh, the Venture Studio were being born out of high alpha. They used Envision. And then when it came time for us to, make our own decisions in our own business. I wasn't, again, a, a user necessarily of Envision. I would review things in there, which I, I mean, I guess by the technical term, I was a user, but I wasn't the person that was going to be using Envision day to day. But I was the person making the decision on what we should use as a team moving forward. We got to the time when it was time to hire a product designer and you know, they asked what we use. And it's like, oh, well, we use Envision, uh, right? And that was just naturally what I had been kind of the process I had been put into. Uh, I had a good experience. I liked the product. And even though I again wasn't the power user or the day-to-day user, uh, I was probably the buyer. And I think again, if they had built the product for me, it wouldn't have been the right product. If they had built the product um, or the the process specifically for the day-to-day user, probably wouldn't have been the right buying experience. And they they have found a way to successfully blend the two. And here we are using Envision. So
0: this is good. I'm curious. You are the hand raiser in this example for the Envision purchase at your previous company, but you're not the user. I would love to know, and I'm sure other people would love to know who are going through this process, what were the things that allowed you to just check the box and say, yep, Envision, yep, let's do this. Was it you getting your hands on the, the tool? Was it feedback internally? Like what sort of things did, did you get that kind of gave you that confidence that that was the, the right platform for you?
1: Both to the examples you gave, I knew that our product designers enjoyed using it. And I think the key for me is that it was collaborative. Uh, so it was powerful enough for them to use as a design and collaboration tool. And it was simple enough for me to log in and not being a super technical person Ah, uh, collaborate with the designer, right? So it, it felt like it was a tool that was built for both of us. It wasn't necessarily just a heavyweight technical design tool. I think maybe an example here is like Adobe. Some of the um, Adobe uh, suite can feel very built like for power users, right? Whether it's Photoshop, Illustrator, I, I couldn't send an AI file to somebody and like just expect them to to n- intuitively know how to operate in it, right? But that's what happened with Envision. Somebody sent me envision mock-up and said, hey, here, create a login here, drop your comments in. Uh, and like I didn't need any training. It was very intuitive, very collaborative. And they enjoyed using it. I enjoyed using it. And so it just, you know, if you've got both ends of the spectrum happy and um, active in the the product, it's like no brainer. Why even look elsewhere, right? Like when it comes time to purchase, we're not going to retrain the entire team around something. We're just going to
0: even go deeper with what is already working. So training, not training might not be the right word, but like bringing in the salesperson into this equation. So if people on your team are using a platform and they love it and they're sharing that feedback and they're like, we love this platform and you're not like necessarily tied in, you know what it does, uh, you know, your people like it. What advice do you have for the salesperson that's coming in? The salesperson at Envision, let's just say, that's coming into that opportunity and is having a conversation with you. I would, I would, I would imagine like the process of like, hey, let me show you these slides about Envision. Let me walk you through our demo. Like that's probably uh, that that old kind of way is probably uh, a little different based on everything that they know and how you feel. What advice do you have for like that sales individual that's coming into the deal? Like what things should they be doing differently in order to like secure the contract and have you become their customer? I don't have any advice. How do
1: you like that? Come to the modern day marketer (laughs) podcast where we don't offer advice. So, and I say that seriously, I don't know. This is what we're wrestling with at the juice as we try to figure this out ourselves. There's, there's a ton of nuance between like PLG self-service, you know, just packaging that is like SMB, mid-market, enterprise packaging and pricing that are all just like slightly different enough that I think there's different sales models to be attached to each of those, and that's what we are wrestling with a little bit at the juice and what we're trying to figure out in the next three, four, six months, uh, and we're gonna have to experiment, right? So I don't know, I I don't know if it is a no-touch uh, sales process where it's just easy enough, straightforward enough, low cost enough where a marketing manager, director of marketing, VP of marketing can swipe a credit card and move on and they don't need any sales touch points. I don't know if it is, you know, really light touch where uh, they, you know, maybe submit their information or come inbound to us and we we walk them through with a salesperson, it's part sales conversation, part onboarding conversation or I don't know if we just have a, you know, maybe an SMB or mid-market commercial account executive that is going after you know one call closes at a really low price point that makes sense. And then we also have the enterprise sales process. I don't know. Um, so I think there's a ton of nuance there. I think there's a lot of experimentation that needs to happen if you're starting that process. And I think you need to be ready for uh, to learn along the way and to be able to uh, pivot quickly based
0: off what you learn in those experiments. You heard it here first, come listen to our show where we don't give you any advice or next steps. But I think my takeaway from that and what I've experienced at The Juice just in relation to this is if you're going through this and you don't know and you're trying to figure it out, which I would imagine most individuals are, like my biggest piece of advice is that find opportunities with marketing, sales, and product, whatever forum that is where when someone comes in and probably better times when the deal is lost like talk about it share what happened what were the roadblocks what you think wrong what what you think went wrong why they didn't convert like it, that's that becomes really powerful that that data and information and you you marry that up with your customer base and thinking about the journey that they went through and why they did convert and why they are happy then i think you have enough information where you can begin to run tests and you can begin to optimize and then hopefully narrow your focus. That's like my biggest thing that I see happening with PLG PLG, go to market at B2B in general. It's like everyone like wants to attack things from just such a broad focus that narrowing your focus, communicating to a specific group and being for that group, I think will lead to greater returns down the road. So talk to your people, gather the information. There's a lot that can be learned from that.
1: Gather the data, share context, collaborate. I think that's the future of PLG. I think PLG is the future of B2B SaaS. Um, I think that is just going to be critical for everybody involved.
0: I want to say thank you to Janet and the Clearbit team for sharing this article and giving us something to talk about on this podcast. Like I mentioned, it'll be in the show notes give it a read. There will be a lot you can learn outside of this conversation. Anything in closing, Jonathan?
1: The last thought I'll give on this piece of content, and I think it's the biggest compliment to content. I think it's a great way to measure content effectiveness. I finished reading the article and the first thing I wanted to do, I didn't because I knew we were recording. I plan to after this is to go share it with our team that is working on PLG, right? And that's just one of those things that is very qualitative, very hard to measure. Uh, But that I think is the ultimate compliment to a piece of content is when you're done reading it, you want to share it. We're sharing it on the podcast, obviously. We're going to go share it internally with our team. So kudos to Janet and the entire Clearbit team.
0: All right. We'll be doing more of this. Thank you for listening and we will be back soon. Thanks, Brett. I love this series and talking and thinking critically about other people's content and what they're talking about and how it applies to the world that we're living in at The Juice. There is so much good content. There's good content on The Juice. If you're not already, sign up. It's free. Go to the juicehq.com. Make sure you have a good and productive week. We will be back with another conversation with a content marketer or a marketer that matters this Friday, check it out.